the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the brand new Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. My name is Matt Southcombe and I'm joined by rugby writers Simon Thomas and Andy Howell and we're at the Vale Resort where Rob Howley has just met the press following the announcement of the Wales team to face Australia on Saturday. Um, first things first guys, about, I think the first one is Liam Williams uh, is out injured. Lee Halfpenny's not a bad replacement, Simon. No, he's not. I mean, I think we all suspected this was going to happen when Liam rolled his ankle the other week. He looked in a, quite a bit of bother, and although they, you know, were keen to say that they weren't ruling him out in the build-up, it's not a great surprise. He's not playing, and as you're saying, it's not it's not a bad replacement because it's it's taken away the old debate of what would have happened. You know, who would have played 15 and who would have played in the wing? But we'll have to wait a little while. Hopefully, not too long to have that because um, what Rob, Rob Howley said was that the, the expectation was that Liam would return to training next week and be available for the second game against Argentina. So that would be a big boost. Um, yeah, but Lee's back and um, he'll be uh, taking the goal kicking duties as well. Actually, can I come in on yeah. that, Matt? Because let's <laughs> not beat around a bush now. This is a massive blow for Wales. Because he's not replacing Liam Williams, he's actually replacing Alice Cuthbert because Liam and Halfpenny would have both been in the back three as it is. And uh, Cuthbert has been out of form for a long time. His tries have uh, trickled almost to a halt. And there's no doubt about it, Australia will target him. His defence, they will play in his channel. They will go back to the blind side. They put the ball up in the air on him. They probably put Israel Folau on him. And they will really test Alex Cuthbert. Uh, so it, it, it's not like a like replacement. It is a massive blow that Wales have lost. Liam Williams, who was the player of the tour in New Zealand. Okay, well, another man who stood out in New Zealand was Ross Moriarty. He comes into the back row. I suppose he keeps his place by default with the injuries that we've had there. What do you make of the changes in the back row and what do you make of the battle in the back row on Saturday? I think Moriarty had a good tour and I'm looking forward to seeing him at number eight because there really hasn't been an alternative to, uh, to Falatau. And uh, Ross be playing at, uh, at eight, which he has had some experience in the past. And if I remember... Uh, Rightly, his father was an excellent number eight for, for Wales when he's third at the uh, World Cup. Ross is an athlete, and in some respects, it would be better for him to be at number eight because uh, it, it, the ball in his hands, skill, an attacking flair, he's got plenty of that. Blindside flanker, where he's played before, has to defend a bit more, and I think Ross is work in progress when it comes to the defence. And of course, they brought Mr. Chop Tatler back in, now he's fit again. Dan Lydiot, and uh, who's an excellent defender, and Wales will need someone chopping down the Aussies around the fringes. Uh, it's a balanced back row because Tipperich or Warburton are both top players in their own right, and uh, uh, you know they could. You know <coughs> this could be a really good back row, uh, but of course they are up against the excellent opponents in Australia. You've got Pocock and uh, Dave Pocock and Michael Hooper in the same back row. We know what they like at the breakdown. Though I must say I was surprised to see that Hooper's been named their Player of the Year because I thought he's been anonymous. You know, by his standards, in recent matches, the guy who's really impressed me for them is their new number eight, uh, Lopetti Tamani. I think he's excellent. He's brought something else to their party. He's a really strong ball carrier, and Wales are going to have problems uh, marshalling him. So it's going to be a heck of a uh, battle in the back row, but as Simon might say, it's going to be one in the front five. Yeah, it will be. I just on the Moriarty one, I think you watched him um, play out there, under you were out there yourself. You know, the way he played, I think there was a case for him, Michael, be, be being in the, the back row. If everyone was available, he played so well. And I think once Falatau was ruled out, he was always going to be starting, probably at number eight. And then the issue then was who, well who was on the flanks? Obviously, Sam Warburton has had the injury, the fractured cheekbone, and the neck injury, uh, which mean, means that he's now gone back to trying to get some game time. And Tipperick's been in fantastic form. So, so that's, that's the seven situation sorted. Six was interesting because James King has played really well this season 
Um, but clearly, with um, Falato and Warburton both absent, then you've lost two thirds of the regular back row. So you can certainly see why they would want the experience of Dan Lidia. And what interests me is this is a very rare opportunity for Tipperick to start at seven with Lydia at six, which is what Warburton's always had, the man doing the chop tackles for him to get on top of the ball. So that's his Tipperick's opportunity. But as you say, he's got a hell of a pincer movement against him in the form of uh, um, Hooper and Pocock. If you go back to when Warburton, uh, when Tipperick and, uh, and Lydia have started together, go back to uh, pre-World Cup, Ireland away in Dublin, and Tipperick had a fantastic game with the back row with Lydiot and uh, Falatel. Interestingly, this is only the second time the Tipperidge has started against one of what we call the Southern Hemisphere Big Three nations. He started against Australia in the World Cup and Howley said in his press conference today about how well he played in that, in, in that game. So, you know, there's been people, Gatlin has said in the past, oh, Tipperidge hasn't really proven himself against the Southern Hemisphere. But that's why, because he hasn't started against the Southern Hemisphere. He started against Argentina once, and guess what happened? Wales won. That Island game encouraged me as well, because that was when we did see Lidget and Tipperidge, and Tipperidge got a fantastic game out in Dublin in that pre-war. And Gatlin admitted afterwards, didn't he, that yes, he's answered a lot of the physical questions. So that's going to be fascinating back in the back row. Yeah, because that day, Wales bullied Ireland. So that's what you guys made of it. Uh, this is what the Wales camp had to say. First up, we've got head coach Rob Howley, then we've got hooker Ken Owens, and then flanker Dan Lydiard. The landscape of the game, I think you'll probably see uh, Australia reduce their lineups on the weekend. Uh, I think that uh, to have the potent back row, and you know, the one thing which struck us when we went to watch the game up in uh, Twickenham against Argentina, they're a big physical pack, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, that front five will, will set a really good platform for the six, seven, eight to uh, have an influence around the park. And it's important that uh, we, we control what we control to be on assignment. Uh, and, you know, the contact area is always a focus in international rugby uh, in, in winning those uh, small yards in those areas and making sure we're technically and tactically right in that in particular. Yeah, you know, big strength of Australian rugby has been uh, their, their threat over the ball and uh, playing Pocock and Hooper. That's they've done that a lot in the past, possibly you know a seven and eight. But you know, at seven and six, we know the th- the challenge and the threat and the experience they're going to bring, and uh, we're going to have to be on our money at that contact area to to get plenty of quick ball. Um, yeah, you know, with uh, Hooper playing so well, you know, he's been slotting in at eight for a, a fair bit, um, and he's you know, reverted back to the blind side now. Um, with Tamani coming in now at number eight, which he's you know a big ball carrying threat, so we've got quite good balance here across the back row, and you know we'll be really looking forward to coming up against them uh, this weekend. But it's, it's going to be a big test for us. So that's what uh, the Wales camp made of the battle in the back row this weekend. Um, as you alluded to, Andy, there's going to be a lot going on in the front five as well. Wales missing a few key players there. What do you make of that? I think uh, losing Alwyn Jones is a massive blow for Wales because I'm concerned. Although Chakras is a tall bloke and uh, Bradley Davis is a good player, they're both heavy and they're difficult to lift at the lineup. I don't think we'll have the uh, insurance Alan Wynn provides at the lineup. We'll also miss Falatel and Warburton at the lineup. And looking at our back row, I would have thought the only person who can win ball would be uh, uh, Tipperidge. I would imagine Australia will target the lineup. They've got two young, rangy, athletic locks in Rory Arnold. And Adam Coleman, who's burst on the test scene this season, he's a feisty character, could get Simbin at any any time. But they are the tallest pairing, lock pairing in Australian history. So I imagine they, if they've done their own work, they will have a go with the uh, Welsh line out. 
and their starting front row, Australia. So Australia's scrummages have been questioned in the in the past, but their starting front row is uh, is strong. Stephen Moore's an excellent skipper, one of the most physical hookers in the world, kind of ball forward, and uh, Kedwell, the tight end prop, is excellent in a uh, loose and even sidestep. Interesting thing for me on that is Luke Chartridge is six foot nine. You think you know a golden lineout for, but actually he tends to be used as a lifter quite a lot by Wales. Now it'd be interesting to see with no Alan Wynn on board and limited perhaps back row line options whether Chartridge will be used more as a target. You know, because it's kind of insurance ball. This is why I go back to James King because King is obviously quite a you know a proficient lineout for, and it, it, that's why it might have been a temptation to have him there in that back row. And he is on the bench, so if they do maybe have a few issues uh, in the line out um, you might see him come on board because the, the second row back I've had is Corey Hill who's uncapped because not only is Alan Wynne Jones unavailable because of the very sad death of his father but also Jake Ball is out injured as well so that they've had to sort of um, bring in new faces in the second row but then you counter that with Australia um, we're talking about the, the tall second rows good point Andy makes there but I do think the loss of Dean Mum who's suspended I think that's quite significant because he's been a bit of a go-to man if they've had any line of issues, held it together when they've been under pressure and he's not available and they've now replaced him with, with, with Pocock so they've got you know, less height in the back row. So I think both teams have you know, had their line-out impacted upon and both of them have got to come up with new equations, new answers, how to find the ball there. Yeah, Andy, you talk about the, the new second row pair in Australia are putting out. You've got Rory Arnold, six tests, Adam Coleman, seven tests. The Millennium Stadium is supposed to be one of the most intimidating atmospheres in world rugby. Can we not prey on their inexperience? Uh, the in- intimidating factor of the Principality Stadium hasn't done Wales a lot of good in the past against a certain atmosphere, is it? Because our record is abysmal against them. Uh, it could be an inspiration uh, for them. I think once you start uh, uh, playing on a pitch, I don't think it matters. I think they're more likely to be intimidated by the All Blacks in Wales, with all due respect, because it, Wales, Chartres, yeah, he's a tall man, but he's not often used that much of the lineup, as he says himself, because it's almost better for him to lift other people because he's got a longer reach. But Bradley Davis has really finished a game in the last year or so. He's had a hell of a lot of knocks. So Simon said if we'll be able to, uh, somewhat body or more than one person going to have to come off the bench and do a job at fun. Oh, I think he's locked. This uh, I covered the Argentina uh, Australia game at Twickenham a few weeks ago, and, and, and I've been watching all of the uh, rugby championship, and I can tell you right now. And Adam Coleman, he will not be intimidated. He is a loose cannon. He's a fiery <laughs> operator. He thinks he's an enforcer. He puts plenty of biff about. And the best thing that could happen in Wales is that he implodes. But he does look like a good prospect. And Rory Arnold, he's always uh, impressed me when he plays when he plays rugby. It's interesting. You, you raised the point about playing in the Cardiff Cauldron in the Principality Stadium now, and there's a lot of players in that Wallaby team who won't have experienced that and I spoke to Nathan Gray their defence coach the former Wallaby centre Andy will remember uh, and he his message to the young, youngsters the new faces was to embrace it he described it as one of the most you know truly wonderful experiences in world rugby and, and I think there is an element that it can it can lift you it, it can daunt you or it can lift you and it's a guess how you how you approach it but and as Andy rightly says before, quite a few new 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 players have come to the stadium and, and risen to the occasion for Southern Hemisphere sides. So you know the, the home the home support would be a factor. I mean, but these are guys who, who are used to playing high level Test rugby, and I think that's for me. If I was looking at all the issues this week, the biggest thing for me, they've played. How many games have in the last few months? They've been together for weeks and weeks and weeks as a group. You know, it used to be that in the Southern Hemisphere, Test finished like in August. They, they keep on playing right the way through September and October, basically. They're, they're, they're match 
harnessed together. They're used to playing with each other. Wales haven't played a rugby match since June, and there's a few changes. So I think that is a factor. However, they have been so inconsistent during the rugby championship. Uh, New Zealand hammered them, record win over them in Australia in the first match. They were awful, Australia. They only lost the series 3 0 against uh, England, though a couple of those tests could have gone the other way. And uh, they lost in South Africa, which uh, was, was another shocking game. And against uh, Argentina, Twickenham, they really, that was the great escape because they played that get out of jail card that day. Argentina dominated possession, dominated territory, could drop the ball twice over the try line and had another try disallowed and also give two interception tries away. And Australia scored from two other Argentine mistakes. I've never seen an Australia team celebrate so much as they did after that match on the pitch because I don't think they could believe it. But it clearly helped them a lot because their last performance against New Zealand, they were excellent for Manila. And if it hadn't been for a controversial referee and decision by Nigel Owens, that uh, Australia could have been le- would have been level at 15, all with the uh, conversion to come. And uh, but then last 20 minutes, New Zealand do what they have done for the past year. They fed off Australian mistakes and ran away with it. And you at those three games, the first two games, Wales New Zealand this summer, and that last match Australia New Zealand, who was best for an hour? Australia last time out or Wales in one of those two tests? Australia last time out. That's a bit worrying. It is a touch worrying. <laughs> anyway, back to Saturday. Um, the last one I want to bring up here is the, the battle of the fly-halves. Always so important in, in the deciding the outcome of games. We've got Bernard Foley and Dan Bigger. Two slightly different tens. Bernard Foley more of a running ten. Brings players into the game when he get, takes it to the line. Bigger's a bit more of a tactician. Sits back, plays, plays the corners a bit more. Um, Andy, what do you make of that, and how do you think that battle is going to go? Well, of course, uh, Foley is a far more dangerous player, but what it comes down to again is the forwards and having ball on the front foot. Uh, Foley against uh, uh, against New Zealand last time out, as Sean Edwards said, was one of the best performances by number ten he'd ever seen, and end up on the uh, losing side. But uh, the forwards were giving him uh, loads of uh, uh, ball at a good platform, and he was, uh, you know, he was great. As same as he was in the World Cup, played really well against Wales. Against uh, England, I think he scored two tries in a, a, a match. Before he's a really good tagging player. Uh, Bigger is a more uh, limited player, but he is a good tactician. And um, uh, Wales need him to dominate, dictate the game on Saturday. You know, both these teams are coming into this match on the back of pretty cool records. Results-wise, they've only both won three of their last eleven Test matches. So you've got to look as uh, confidence is going to be an issue. But maybe the Australians to think, oh, it's only, well, it's only Wales, and they all us against the Southern Hemisphere. But, uh, you know, it's another routine win. I, I think Foley is a lovely player. I really enjoy watching him play. I think that, you know, that game against England in the World Cup last year was just sensational. Such a lovely balanced runner. Um, it interests me that Wales have, have obviously got bigger starting, but have got Sam Davis on the bench. Um, he's sort of nipped ahead of Gareth Anscombe as the cover at 10. And he offers, and Priestland obviously was not in the squad, you know, so there's a bit of a change there. And, and Sam would offer something, you know, if the game perhaps needed chasing, because he does offer a real threat. He's broadened his game now in terms of his distribution and his running threat. He always was an excellent line kicker. So, you know, as he, as he has at the Ospreys, bigger as someone breathing down his shoulder. How, how much of a part do you envisage Sam Davis playing on the weekend? I think it depends on the nature of the game. If things are going well and Bigger's performing well and we're in the hunt, I think he stays on. If we're not functioning and maybe if we're behind, you could see Dan coming on maybe at the hour mark. It's, you know, it's difficult, but I remember James Hope coming on against Australia probably 10 years ago and, then he, and he turned things around, playing a key role then. Yeah. 
Um, and certainly on form, Sam has been outstanding this season, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't just throw Sam on for the sake of it. If Wales are playing well, if that's yeah. the case, I'm all for keeping players on the pitch for the uh, full 80 minutes. If Bigger's playing well, I'd say leave him on there. Yeah. You know, it could be a situation here yeah, where, let's face facts, if Wales are going to win this game, it'll probably be a pretty, uh, pretty tight match. It'd probably be more of a situation if Sam Davis gets the, uh, uh, is getting a chance it'd be because Wales are chasing the game. The other interesting thing is like what happens in terms of covering fullback. If you look at that twenty-three that's on duty, um, bigger or Sam could possibly come into the equation. Because there's, be. there's no Amos in the squad, is there? He's not in twenty-three in there, so yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, Wales's struggles against the Southern Hemisphere sides are well documented. That was a, a common theme of the press conference today. Takes four wins in seventy matches since the eighty-seven World Cup. Well, they <laughs> Speaks for itself, and that, that that came up quite a lot today in, in the interviews with the with the Wales camp. What what do you think is going to be different this time? Give give the listeners some hope for a victory on Saturday. What or what's got to change for you? Well, what's different this week is that Australia are not in great form. New Zealand are ahead of the rest of the world. We don't know how England will compare against them because they haven't played them. But it seems to me that below New Zealand maybe England is a muchness between the rest of the nations there's nothing in it this is Australia a bit ordinary by their standards South Africa have gone down have gone downhill so I think there is up for Wales from Australian results and the fact that Michael Checker seems to be rebuilding parts of the of, of their team and the inconsistency in Australian performances I mean some of their best players Matt Gitto's injured Matt Tamua is not available he's with uh, Leicester so when you're missing uh, uh, the quality of those two uh, helping fully run things I think that gives you a, always gives you a chance I know it's the same record as ours but it wouldn't have been often that Australia would have come to Cardiff in the back of only 3 out of 11 matches you know that's not a great track record they have got a lot of new faces they've got new combinations um, so I don't think it's impossible put it this way right as it stands now, I think Wales winning would be a little bit of a pleasant surprise, but I wouldn't rule it out altogether. No, it's not. If we had Balotelli uh, playing and uh, Alvin Jones uh, playing, obviously we'd be a bit more uh, uh, confident. Uh, but it's up to these boys um, to uh, race their games. All right, there we have it. We'll leave it there for now. Folks, um, thanks for joining us uh, on our brand new podcast. We'll be doing these uh, weekly throughout the autumn series and beyond. As always, you'll catch all the build-up, live updates and reaction to the Australia game on Saturday on Wales Online.